I had to kill myself, and I wasn't even going anywhere near as fast as the other one said, which just goes to show you how dramatically off the calibration can be. Dispense Radio, episode 792, starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 we are back and better than ever when it comes to listener Q&A episodes. We got another one for you today. Um, I don't know, better than ever, better than ever. That might be, uh, that might be a stretch. I don't know. You be, you can be the judge on that one. Uh, when we wrap this thing up somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think we got 15 questions, so we'll, we'll power through those. But, uh, if you're new to the show, just want to let you know, this is something that we do every month on the last, the last Friday of the month is all about you guys, all about what questions you have and, uh, what answers I can give you that are, are hopefully at least a little bit useful, at least a little bit helpful, um, with whatever it is that you're dealing with. Although sometimes we have some fun questions, which we've got a couple of those today. Uh, always appreciate the fun questions that are, are less serious, but, uh, have no issues diving into to different running topics, running issues, and, and doing my best to help you out with a little bit of advice, a little bit of, of, you know, legit answering your questions, right? It's, it's pretty simple. Um, and so if, if you want to get your questions, if you've got questions that you'd like me to answer, um, on, on a future episode of the podcast the, you can send them to me any, any old, which way you want to, but hands down the best way to do it is to come be a part of our Facebook group. Because what happens is, is somewhere about a, a week, week and a half out from, from that episode. Um, so somewhere middle of the month, I put up a post that basically says, Hey, what are your questions? And then you type your questions in the comments. I answer them on the show. And that way all the questions are in one spot. Um, I know not everybody's on, always on Facebook, so it can be an issue. If you have other questions, you can send them to me in, in email form or on social media. But I will say that there's a higher likelihood of those getting lost in the shuffle. My, my email inbox is an absolute disaster. Um, I'll do my best to mark it and, and save it and go back to it, but uh, I make no no promises. Um, of course, you can also submit for Ask Diz questions on YouTube, and those those will get answered for sure. Um, so, you know, there's always that, that other possibility as well for me to answer your questions. Of course, you can always just email me, um, you know, and I'll, I'll try to help out. I'll try to help out any way I can, but, uh, the listener Q and a always a lot of fun. And, uh, I think we're going to have a good time today. So once again, the Facebook group, I don't think I, I gave the plug yet for the Facebook group. Uh, but if you just go ahead and search the Diz Runs tribe on Facebook, that's, that's our group, our group name. You can also point your browser right to disruns.com slash Facebook which will redirect you right to the, the opt-in page where you, you know, say, Hey, I want to join the group. Uh, we'll let you in. And then as long as you know, you innocent until proven douchey, I guess is, is kind of how it works out. And if you come in and start spamming the group, we'll boot you on out. You come in and, and contribute, crack some jokes, um, ask questions, contribute in a, in a positive manner. We've always got room for more that uh, want to act in that way. So come on in and check it out, disruns.com slash Facebook. So like I said, I think we got about 15, 16 questions, something like that. Let's just dive in and, and see what happens. So today's first question comes from Nate. Uh, says, I was just coming to the group to ask for suggestions on a 20 to $40 headlamp for trail running. So I guess I guess the question there is, any suggestions for a, a headlamp? Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this one on a dime, and uh, and and say what about knuckle lights? Have you tried knuckle lights, Nate? Um, knuckle lights are, are yes, they're a sponsor of the show. They they sponsor a handful of episodes each year, um, but I really like the product. I mean, and that's and that's you know honestly, you know, full disclosure. That's that's how I why I reached out to them about potentially sponsoring being a sponsor partner. Gosh, two or three years ago now, um, because I. I personally am not the biggest fan of headlamps. Not that there's anything wrong with a headlamp or a headlight. I just don't always find them comfortable. Um, especially if you're talking for a longer, longer time of having them on. Um, I not always, but you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to wearing a visor or a hat or something like that. Especially if, if I'm running during the day and it's going to get dark or I'm starting in the, in the dark and it's going to get light. Um, I like having that extra little layer of, of something to help keep the sun out of my eyes for later. And you start putting a headlamp on with a hat. Yes, they work. But it's just not, not for me. 
Uh, and so when I tried the knuckle lights, which are, which I believe they, they fit right there in your, in your price range there, Nate. Um, I, I was like, yes, these things are awesome because as I've talked about in the, in their sponsor reads and, and this, this really isn't even a sponsored episode of the show, but uh, from, from them. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of turned into it, right? But it's just literally, it's a, it's a flashlight that straps to the outside of your knuckles. And so your hands are still free. So you're not, ha- you don't have to hold anything. Um, it's easy click button, you know, bright, medium and flash. So you can, you can kind of control the, the, the light setting depending on how much you need. Um, you can wear one or the other, but they come in a, a pair. So you can, you can have doubles. Um, or if you're really going to be out for a while and you're worried about battery life or something like that, you can go with one for a while. One is, is plenty. Uh, maybe if you're on some real technical trails, you might want to have two to help with shadows and whatnot, but for road running or, or some, some trails that aren't too technical, one, one light on the medium setting is plenty of light, plenty of light. So if you haven't checked out knuckle lights, and again, I mean, I, I'm not trying to hide the fact that they're a sponsor. They are a sponsor friends with, with Dan and, and Chrissy, the, the crew over there. Um, but, uh, but it's a good product. It's a good product. So, uh, and that's why I don't really use a headlamp. That's, I just go with the knuckle I, I love them. So check them out. Knucklelights.com. If you're, if you're so inclined, they're also on Amazon, all, all the places, but uh, check out knuckle lights and, uh, hope you, hope you, hope you try them out. Hope you like them, Nate. That's, that's the name of the game for me. Um, Next question comes from Leslie. How do you know when you're ready to try a new, aka longer race distance? Uh, Leslie, I, I, this is this is one of those questions that I feel like it's almost impossible to answer because it, it, it is something that kind of has to come from within. It kind of has to come from you. Um, you have to know you're ready to do it, as as in you want to do it. You want to to try, uh, you know, to to train up for and and run a longer distance. Um, and, and it's not something that, that hopefully your friends kind of talk you into or decide for you. And and hopefully most importantly, hopefully it's not something that you feel like you need to do to somehow justify calling yourself a runner. I I've talked to folks in the past where it's like, until I did X, I had a hard time calling myself a runner. So maybe it's running a half marathon or a full marathon or a certain time goal or whatever. Um, so if if you're like, well, I kind of want to run a little bit longer because then I'll feel like a real runner. Stop, stop it you're already a, a real runner. So just, I don't know that that's their case, Leslie. I, I'm certainly not trying to read anything into it, but in case it is, and or in case somebody else listening that's kind of struggling with that same thing, stop. You don't, there's no, there's no minimum distance or pace requirements that are required. So how do you know, back to your question, how do you know when you're ready to, to try a longer distance? Like I said, I think it has to come from within. I think it has to be something that you really want to do. You know, if, if you're, if you're happy as a clam running and I'm going to use half marathon and, and full marathon as an example, but this, this certainly applies 5k to 10k, 10k to, to 10 mile or 10k to half marathon. It applies in any scenario, but if, if the distance that you're running, you're happy as a clam running that, that say half marathon distance, then, then rock on, keep running the half marathon or the 5k or the 10k or the marathon or the 50k or whatever it is. Keep, keep on keeping on. If you want to stretch out and run a little bit farther then go for it. Go for it. But here's, here's the thing that I think it's, it's most important to keep in mind when it comes to running for a longer race. And especially if we're talking about a pretty good size jump. So if we're talking about in this example of the half marathon to the full marathon, you know, I, I am pretty good at math, but I don't think you have to be that good at math. You just have to be good at words to recognize that half and full. Well, a half marathon is one half of a marathon, right? So, you know, if, if you're thinking, well, I can, I, you know, I, I could train for it. And, and, you know, if it, if it took a little bit, you know, maybe about twice as much time or twice as much effort to prepare for a full marathon, I think I could handle that. You know, my long runs typically are say, you know, an hour and a half or two hours for, for training for a half marathon. Um, I think I could, I could, you know, and that's like a couple of the most long ones. I could probably handle a couple of those, you know, that, that are even longer than that maybe three hours, three and a half hours, you know, kind of double ish, uh, of, of the distance. I could, I could handle that. Reality check is, is, is anybody who's run several marathons knows, um, the training process to really be prepared for a marathon versus a half marathon is not two X. It's probably closer to three X or four X because yes, maybe for the longest of the long runs, you took, you're looking at about double the, the distance, double the time on your feet, rough estimate, but, but about that. But what you fail to recognize is that you're also looking at all of, you know, those, those longest long runs for the half marathon are what, 10 miles, 11 miles, maybe 12 miles for, for most folks for their first half marathon, probably don't get to 12, probably 10 or 11 miles. 
Um, when it, when you're marathon training, that's like that's like an off week, quote unquote, only running ten or eleven miles, right? Um, you know that's that's a that's a dramatic cutback week. That's that's like taper week. You know, the week before the marathon, you're out to do your eight to ten miles or something like that for for a lot of folks. Um, so so just keep in mind that really, I guess what I'm trying to say, and, and in typical me fashion, taking the long way to get there. When it, when it comes to, to training for or deciding that you're ready to take on the next race distance, and again, this is across the board, but it's especially true when you're making a pretty big jump. So maybe it's not as, as accurate from 5K to 10K, but from 10K to half marathon, absolutely true. From marathon to 50K, maybe not that big of a difference, but from a marathon to a 50 miler or a 50K to a 50 miler, absolutely true. The time commitment that you need to be able to invest in training is dramatically more. Again, two, three, not, not just two X, but three X or four X more, more than likely, at least as a rough estimate. So if you're thinking about it kind of on the fence, hemming and hawing, look at your life, look at what your, your, especially your long run opportunities happen to be. So if you typically do your long runs on the weekends, what do your weekends look like? Can you routinely commit to, you know, two hours, three hours, maybe four hours of, of training for some of these longer distances, depending again on what you're, what you're training for, what, what your goals happen to be. Um, if you can commit to it, if your life is such that you can, that it will allow for it and you want to do it, rock on. If you want to do it, but you're like, gosh, I could, I can maybe squeeze in a two hour long run once every six weeks or so. And other than that, it has to be between an hour and an hour and a half. You may want to do it, but your life probably isn't ready for it. So keep, keep that training situation in mind. That's, that's where people get tripped up because race day is fun. Race day is exciting. Lots of people, the medals, the, the atmosphere, the environment. Um, but in order to get there and to have the fun, you got to be able to committed and consistently put in the work and, and, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the, Oh, I want to do this, this full marathon or this, this 50 K or this half marathon or whatever. Um, but if you can't commit to the, the training required, you're not going to have as much fun on race day as uh, you might think when you talk about signing up. So hopefully all that makes sense, Leslie. Obviously, follow up if you have further questions. But ultimately, it's this decision has to come from you. And it has to be that you want to do it and that you're able to, from a training perspective, do it. And if that's the case, I say rock on. Uh, but thank you for the question. Next one comes from Marion. How do you accurately measure your pace on a treadmill? The treadmill and my Garmin were almost two minutes off per mile pace. Um, yeah, I, I, you, you don't. You don't, um, Marion, this is, this is, everybody knows, and I don't, I don't know if, if you're aware of this or not, you might be, um, that I'm not the biggest treadmill fan and, and I'm not the biggest treadmill fan for a lot of reasons. Um, but one of them is the accuracy piece, um, because it, it really is hard to know. Treadmills can be spot on. They can be way off. It all depends on, on how regularly they're calibrated, how, how accurately that, that the, you know, the, the measurements are, are, are taken, uh, which is obviously that's where the calibration comes into play. Um, and, and who's using them, how they're being used, because if, if it's well calibrated and you're using them correctly, um, the calibration will, it'll stay and it'll stay pretty accurate. If, you know, if, if it's the treadmill at the gym where somebody's standing on the, on the belt, when they, when they ramp it up and, and wait for the belt to start moving them, that's when the calibration starts to go way off. That's when the belt starts to, uh, you know, things start to, to not be working quite like they're supposed to. And pretty soon, yeah, you end up with the, the treadmill reading that you're going, you know, 12 minutes per mile and your, your Garmin reading that you're going 10 minutes per mile. Um, and then when it comes to the Garmin indoors, I'm always kind of sketchy on that too. Uh, I know that if you turn the, the GPS off on your Garmin, that it's supposed to measure it from, you know, how much, you know, movement and, and G forces and yada, 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 some type of a voodoo magic that's, that's in there within your watch. That's, that's supposed to tell you what you've done. And, and supposedly it's pretty accurate, but I just, I just kind of wonder, and especially wonder, you know, if, if you're, um, running while holding onto the handles for a little while, which some people do, I would say that that's not ideal, but it's not the, it's not a, a the end of the world situation. But if you're doing that, that's going to throw the, the readings off because your arms aren't swinging as naturally. Um, just a lot of variables. So I think that, that for me, my best, um, recommendation when running on the treadmill is to, is, is to not worry as much about pace as much about distance and instead go more off of time. So if you know that, that you can run, you know, whatever for 30 minutes, 
or if that's that's the the type of of window that you're looking to to run, then run for 30 minutes and and you know hopefully that the numbers that it shows up on the treadmill and on your on your watch will be somewhat close. Hopefully they'll be and if they're somewhat close, you can probably trust them. But when they're way off like that, I mean it's it's I don't it's it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, and for the record, it's not like the Garmin is perfect when it's outside and, and using GPS either, um, which is why I, I never hesitate to stop a run at like four point nine eight or 5.02 or something like that because to me they're both five miles because of the margin of error plus or minus yeah yeah whatever it's probably about it comes out in the wash you know when it's all said and done um but yeah trying to to super accurately measure on the treadmill it's tough and and i I don't know about about you marion or anybody else listening but i know that there's been times in my past when i've gone from one cardio machine to the other and and my most vivid example it's it's an elliptical but i feel like i've probably done this in the early days of my running when i did run on the treadmill somewhat regularly where one one machine said I was like barely working hard and I was I was going pretty fast, and the the one right next to it I had to kill myself and I wasn't even going anywhere near as fast as the other one said, which just goes to show you how dramatically off the calibration can be. So um, take your take your measures with a grain of salt. Hopefully things kind of line up. I would I would err on the side of trusting my Garmin more than my treadmill, um, especially if you had a gym. But I still don't know that I would put full faith in the Garmin when the GPS is off to be absolutely perfect. And if the GPS is on, then it's really going to be a hot mess because you're not moving anywhere, you know? So, um, good luck. Good luck, Marion. And hopefully, hopefully you're not stuck on the treadmill too much, although it's still the beginning of, of winter. So maybe you're going to be stuck there for a while. Uh, but the next question comes from Kelly. I would like to start heart rate variability training, but curious, uh, when doing heart rate variability training, does your heart rate need to remain at the appropriate range for every workout, strength training, spinning, etc., or only during your runs. Thanks so much. So, uh, Kelly, first, first things first, this might sound kind of nitpicky, but heart rate variability training is not totally the same thing as heart rate training. Um, heart rate variability is a measure of, of kind of your resting heart rate that helps to, to know whether or not you're recovered or, or what your status of recovery is. Um, so, so that's not, and it's probably not something that uh, really I need to address, but just to make sure we're clear, HRV heart rate variability is is like a resting measure of the the consistency of your heart rate, um, and then heart rate training itself when you're when you're training uh, to get to I think the the spirit of your question, um, you definitely want it to remain in the appropriate range for uh, certainly for all your cardio workouts. When when you're strength training, you're probably not going to, you, unless you're doing like a really like high intensity interval class or a really heavy duty, um, you know, kind of, of um, boot camp style class where you're mixing some cardio and some strength as well. Uh, if you're just doing some type of circuit training or quote unquote standard strength training, your heart rate is probably not going to climb up very high to where it, it becomes an issue. Um, but during or to where it goes beyond the, the limits that you have set, uh, you, you know, your aerobic uh, limits. But when it comes to cardiovascular training, yeah, you, this, the same zones apply. The same appropriate limits or appropriate ranges apply no matter what the discipline is. And what you will find, more than likely, is that for some forms of exercise, you can work quite a bit harder to achieve the same level of heart rate. Uh, and from your example, there, spinning versus running. My guess is that you'll be able to work a lot harder on the bike to get your heart rate up to, you know, the, the kind of the, the higher end of the zone than you will have to on the run, especially if you're new to it. And it just becomes, it just boils down to how your body works. You know, when, when you're running, uh, obviously you're, you're fighting against gravity the whole time. There's a lot of impact forces of us running. Um, you're, you're fully upright when you're, when you're spinning, when you're on the bike, um, you're not fully standing up straight, which makes you, you know, it does, doesn't sound like much, but your heart doesn't have to work quite as hard to pump blood to your brain when it's not, when you're not standing fully upright. Um, uh, but, but more importantly, you're not pounding. The resistance isn't quite the same. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a difference of movement and, and there's a lot of, of physiology that kind of goes into it or, or biomechanics and, and, and things like that. Try not to bore you with all the details, but I know for myself, um, that I, I definitely can get a lot quote unquote better workout where I'm sweating and huffing and puffing when I'm on the bike than I can when I'm running, uh, especially when it's, when it's warmer out. So, you know, bear that in mind that, that how hard you have to work to stay in the zones, uh, is going to be different, but definitely if, if you're committing to heart rate training, staying in, in those zones across disciplines is definitely what you want to do. Definitely what you want to do. So hope all that makes sense, Kelly. And thank you for the question. Next two come from Georgia. Uh, Karen asks, I heard this question on another podcast and thought I'd post it here. Do you think marathon training makes you healthier? Yeah. Yeah, I do. With the caveat that you got to train intelligently. 
you know, and, and that's where, that's where people get themselves in trouble. That's where, that's where, you know, you, you hear sometimes some, some medical people will tell you that, that running too much is bad for you or running too much can, 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 can be unhealthy. Training for marathons can be, can be unhealthy. Um, and that's where if you're, if you're hammering all the time, that's, that's pretty hard on, on the body. It's pretty hard on the heart. Uh, it can, it can, it can definitely cause some problems. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're running through, you know, your body trying to tell you that you need a break, that you're, that you have an injury, that something's going, going on that you need to address and you're like, no, I'm just going to keep powering through. Yeah. That can, that could probably be a, a, a warning sign that maybe you should back off. And maybe that's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not going to make you healthier, but just as a, as a general statement, do you think running, do you think marathon training makes you healthier? Yeah. We, you know, I mean, in, in, like I said, I, I recognize this is kind of a, one of those loaded questions that people don't ask it. Not not you specifically, Karen, but you know, it's it's one of those things where people will will ask it, kind of expecting some answer, and they're gonna they're gonna fact slam you with some, you know, yeah, but this this one guy died, or didn't 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 the, the guy who first ran a marathon die, you know, after at the finish line, blah blah blah. It doesn't mean that it's not healthy. Look at look at what exercise does. Like our bodies were made to move. If you don't like running, move somewhere somehow some other way. Move on the bike. Move in the water move, go hiking, whatever, play sports. I, I don't care. Our bodies were made to move. And the, when we're moving regularly and intelligently, keeping our, our easy efforts easy, working hard once in a while, um, listening to our bodies, resting, getting plenty of sleep, all those types of things as well, our bodies work better. And, and I, you know, I'm sure that there's studies that, that have measured different types of things like that. Um, and, and I know that right now I'm probably preaching, preaching to the choir, so I don't have to go into it too much. But like, just think of how we all feel when we're running regularly, whether it's training for a marathon, half marathon, whatever, doesn't matter. When, when we're running regularly, we, we feel better. When we're forced to take time off for a while, whether it's due to injury, illness, um, whatever, just you know, bad weather and not really feeling like it, we all get grumpy as hell, right? So, so don't tell me that marathon training makes you unhealthy. Come on now, man. But, but again, be smart. Listen to your body. Um, keep your easy runs easy. Do the little things. All of those things go into to me are all factors in the equation much more than just is marathon training bad for you? Like if you're doing, if you're taking care of yourself, no, it's not bad for you. Not, not at all. Not at all. As far as my professional opinion may happen to be uh, another one from Karen doubling up. I missed last month's Q and a, so I'm going on and posting these questions, even though my marathon is about three weeks away. Is it okay to train for Hills for a flat marathon? Will it help also when training for a marathon? Is it beneficial to finish the last mile faster? even if you've been trying to do heart rate training. So, um, just kind of taking those, those questions in, in order. Um, and, and hopefully since this, you know, since you asked this question, Karen, it's, it's about a week and a half later. Now you only got about a week and a half until you race. So, uh, hopefully this will, this will still be helpful to, to you, or at least helpful, you know, for, for future races, future marathons that you may be running. And of course, for anybody else that's listening as well. Uh, but is it okay to train on Hills for a flat marathon? Absolutely. It's absolutely okay. Will it help? Absolutely. It'll absolutely help. Um, one, one of the reasons that, that running on hills, running on, on you know, whether it's hill repeats or just doing your long runs on, on a hilly course, um, it's, it's one of the best ways. I'm not going to say it's the best way, but it's certainly a very good way to activate your glutes. And a lot of runners, as, as if you listen to the, the most recent episode of the show, episode uh, whatever it is, 790, uh, with, with Dr. Kyle Bowling, uh, we talked about how you know glutes, a lot of people have a weak glute, a lazy glute. Um, and so running hills regularly makes the glutes fire a lot more. It's, it's kind of the biomech- biomechanics is how we extend our hip. And when you're running up a hill, you extend your hip more. Um, so your glutes get fired. Your glutes get stronger. That's a, that's a huge advantage to us as runners to have good, strong, and firing glutes. So if you're training on the hills regularly, your glutes are going to be ready to go. And then when you get to a flat ground, poof, the glutes are still there. The glutes are still used to firing. The glutes are still ready to power you forward, except now you're not fighting against gravity nearly as much because you're not climbing, climbing hills the whole time you're running flat. And so, yeah, you'll definitely feel stronger. Um, I, I would, I would say that you probably won't fatigue as much towards the end. I mean, you know, you, you'll still be tired at the end of a marathon. You're still gonna be tired. You're still gonna be sore. You're not gonna be feeling like a, a, a you know, like a, like a fresh rose, uh, when you get to mile 23, 24, 25. Um, but, but having trained on the Hills, having trained on, on running up and down, your body's going to be ready to, to keep going, keep going forward. Um, 
for a flat marathon. So yeah, it'll definitely help. Um, also when training for a marathon, is it beneficial to finish the last mile faster? Um, I think that there could be some psychological benefits to that physiologically. I mean, yeah, you know, it's not like, it's not like I'm going to assume, and especially with, with the last half of your question, uh, even if you've been doing heart rate training, it's not like you're dropping from, you know, a, a 10 minute pace to a, a five minute pace for the last mile or something like that. Um, so it's not like you're getting like real speed workout benefits. Um, but I think psychologically, you know, like, yes, I still got a little bit of gas in the tank. Yes. I can still finish a little bit stronger. I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Um, however, if you're doing heart rate training, it might be, it might be because with, with heart rate training, uh, especially if, you, if you're a pretty hardcore devotee to, you know, some of the, the principles that, that Phil Maffetone talks about, um, it's about, it's not about average heart rate. It's about your heart rate every step of the way. Right. And so if you're going to, if you're going to hammer it hard for the last half a mile or a mile of, of marathon training, um, at least for myself, I noticed that when I'm doing a long run, my heart rate, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's it, it tends to steadily climb throughout the long run. And so I don't usually get too many alerts about my, my heart rate until I get to the last couple of miles. And then it's like, you know, you're, you've been working hard. You've been going for a couple, three hours, probably at this point, the heart rate just kind of keeps steadily climbing. And so if I'm going to try to pick it up for the last mile, I'm going to be over my, my heart rate limit pretty much that entire last mile, which for me as a heart rate advocate and, and me talking about my own training is not something that I'm willing to do. So, um, if nothing else, I, I probably end up slowing down more in the last marathon of my, or in the last mile of my long runs than I do speeding up simply because I'm trying to keep my heart rate under control. So my advice, if your heart rate training is to not do the, the kind of fast, fast last mile, um, unless you're doing a proper workout, unless, unless you're deciding to do a workout where you're doing a fast finish, which I do those probably once every month or once every six weeks, um, especially when I'm in a marathon training cycle, because I like to have that feeling of like, I ran, you know, 12 miles at a comfortable pace, easy pace, well into my heart rate zones. And then I ran the last five or six miles really pushing hard and, and not worried about my heart rate at all. So I, I it's, it's, it becomes more of a, instead of just one mile of pushing, it's, it's a chunk. It's kind of like a tempo run at the end of a long run. Right. Um, which there's strategery to that. Um, but to just push hard at the last mile to, to push your heart rate above, which is probably going to push your heart rate above the zones. Not something that I would be willing to do. I don't necessarily think it's bad, but just, you know, from being, from being as, as kind of all in on heart rate training as I am, I don't see the the risk reward of it is not there for me. It's probably not going to do a lot of good, probably not going to do a lot of bad, but, but why, why play with fire, you know? So, um, but if you've been doing it, don't, don't think badly about it. Don't think it's going to, it's going to mess you up. It's not going to, and it's definitely going to give you a mental boost, or at least I think it's going to, you know, it's kind of one of those placebo things, right? If, if you think it's going to give you a boost, it's going to give you a boost. And I think that it probably will give you a little boost. So hope that your race goes well, Karen. Can't wait to hear about it since I know it's coming up, uh, in just, just a little over a, a week from the time this episode goes out. So hope it, hope it goes well. Enjoy Kiwa Island. It's, it's, it's a fun race, small race, but I enjoyed it when I ran it. I don't know how many years ago, five, six, seven years ago, something. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, anyway, next question comes from Joanne. Uh, how would heart rate training work if you did run, walk, run intervals? Um, basically, Joanne, it really wouldn't change too much. Um, it's just, you're just kind of blending two worlds, but they, I think they work well together. So, you know, as I've talked about before, ad nauseum with heart rate training, like I talked about just now with, with um, Karen's question, with heart rate training, from at least from the Maffetone perspective, you want to keep your heart rate below a certain level pretty much the entirety, not pretty much for the entirety of your run. So if you're run, walk running, if you're doing intervals while you're, while you're also making sure that heart rate training is is a component of what you're doing as well, you're going to keep doing your intervals. And if your heart rate starts to get up too high during your run intervals, you're either going to start your walk break early or your walk interval early. Um, or you're going to slow down your run to keep your heart rate in the zone. And then when you get to your, your walk break, you're going to walk, you're going to catch your breath. You're going to start running again when the, when the beeper goes off for the next run interval, and you're going to keep an eye on your heart rate and make sure it doesn't climb too high. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that maybe it sounds like it might be complicated to put those together, but honestly, that's, that's it. That's it. You run your run intervals, run them at a level where your heart rate doesn't climb up too high. Um, and depending on how long your intervals are, that may not be an issue at all because you may not have be running quite that long. You know, if your if your intervals are longer, which I know some people do like, you know, eight minutes, 10 minute run intervals, and then a 30 second walk or something like that, then you, that's when you're going to need to be a bit more cautious of, of keeping your running intensity down 
enough, keep it low enough so that your heart rate never really creeps all the way up and, and out of the zone. And you get your little walk break, you catch your breath. Um, your heart rate's going to drop a little bit, but then you're going to get back right back to running again. It's going to creep right back up to about where it was. And you just want to keep it below the, the limit. So, um, but they definitely can work together. And, and hopefully that, that makes sense. It's, it's not super complicated if you don't make it super complicated, Joanne. So, so just keep it simple and you're good to go. You're good to go. Uh, good luck. And if you have other questions on it, let me know. Speaking of which next question also from Joanne, also pertaining to heart rate training. Uh, seems like it might take a long period of time to reap the benefits. I, I have a 30 K race in March. Would it be worthwhile to start with some heart rate training now, or would I not have enough time to, or would it not have enough time to make any difference? Um, you're right, Joanne. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't think I've been, I've been hesitant to, to tell the truth about heart rate training over the, the last couple of years that I've been doing it. Um, it is, it is playing the long game. Heart rate training is playing the long game. It's not something that, that pays off in, in spades in the first couple of weeks, first couple of months. Um, but the longer you stick with it, the longer you continue to build and reinforce and improve your aerobic base, which is what heart rate training is all about. The, the more payoff you're going to see, the more consistency you're going to see in, in your paces for the, you know, the longer, longer distance, uh, training runs and races. Um, the, the less you know, fatigue you're going to have, the quicker your recovery is going to be. There's lots of benefits to it. That said, with a race that's roughly four months away, give or take, depending on the exact dates, you'll definitely see some benefits of heart rate training if you jump into it now. Are you going to see the same level of benefits that you might see if you you know jump into heart rate training now and stick with it for two years? No. No. In two years of heart rate training, you're going to be stronger, fitter, uh, have better endurance, more, you know, th- all of the benefits of heart rate training are just going to continue to compound, compound for two years. In four months, you're going to see progress. It may not be glaring progress. It might not be huge progress, but it's not like you're going to regress in two, in, 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 you know, one training cycle in, in four months. So if you want my advice, I say, I say, do it. I say, get started now. Um, and, and remember that, that maybe it's not going to pay off huge dividends for your 30 K in March, but what about the race that, you know, you may or may not have planned for October or run about if you run this 30 K again, the following March, you know, heart rate training does take time, but to see all those benefits that play out over time, you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. So, you know, what, what's the, uh, the Chinese proverb or the Chinese saying that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The, the second best time is today. The best time to start heart rate training was, was eight months ago. The next best time is today is today. So, um, you know, and, and I know, I know that I'm jaded towards the heart rate training. It's something I talk about a lot. It's something I believe in quite, quite a lot. Um, I'm not saying you have to do it, but if you're thinking about it, you might as well start. You might as well start because the, the longer you wait, there's, there's going to be another race on the calendar. There's gonna be another race on the calendar. And it's always going to be that, well, you know, I've got a race in, in four months or five months. And I don't know if it's going to pay off too much for that. Well, it'll pay off a little bit the next race and the next race, the next race, it'll pay off more and more and more. So, um, if you're on the fence, I would say make it happen, make it happen. But uh, thank you for the questions, Joanne. Hopefully the answers are somewhat useful, uh, for you. Uh, next question comes from Liz best responses to family at Thanksgiving when they ask why you would want to run another marathon. Great, great question, Liz, although terrible timing because this, this episode is coming out on black Friday. So it's coming out the day after Thanksgiving. So it didn't help you on Thanksgiving day, but maybe for the, the Christmas, the, the, the new year's, the, the Hanukkah, the December holidays that are coming up. Uh, maybe this, maybe the questions will still be coming then. And this will help you, uh, with that question or it'll help you at the office when somebody's like, why in the world would you want to do another marathon? Um, so I, I, I took the liberty to answer this question with nothing but memes in the, uh, in the show notes for today, which you can get to disruns.com slash seven nine one. If you're so inclined. Um, but basically, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those questions where like, hopefully the people are just, you know, they love you and they're not trying to be jerks about it. But it's one of those that to me is like, like, what are some, why, why would you want to run them? Because like, who can't, I don't have to justify it to you. You know, I don't have to, to, to help you understand why I want to do something. Like, I don't understand why you like to, you know, insert hobby here. I don't understand why you are a stamp collector. Like that, that, that has zero interest to me. That's fine. You do you boo. You know? So when somebody's asking, why do you, why would you want to run another marathon? Uh, because I can't. Because I'm, I'm fit and I'm capable and I'm healthy and I'm strong and it gives me confidence because I can do it, you know? So there's, there's one reason, you know, why, why would you want to run another marathon? Why not? Why not? I ran the first one, enjoyed myself. I want to do it again. 
I want to improve, uh, you know, whatever your definition of improvement might be. Um, I want, I want to experience the, that, you know, the, the atmosphere around a, a race with a bunch of other runners. Why not run another marathon? Why would you want another marathon? Cause I like to run, you know, why do you like this to collect stamps? Cause you like stamps, which I don't understand why somebody would want to do that. But Hey, that, that stamp collector made it understand why I want to run. So, you know, who cares? Who cares? Um, so, so yeah, that was, I, I think it's a great question and I don't know that there's a great answer. Uh, I think it kind of comes down to the relationship you have with the person that's, that's asking the question. You can get really snarky when answering that question. You can also really just keep it fun and lightning and just basically say, Hey, cause I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I, I love to run. It makes me feel good about myself. You know, my, my stock answer for why do you run? It makes me, it makes me a better person. You know, so you can get into some of those types of things and, and it can engage some conversation or you can just shut it down and be like, because, why not? Well, I, 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 I don't like to run. Okay. I'm not asking you to run with me. I like to run. So why would I run, run, want to run another marathon? Because I like to run. I want to do it. Now, can you pass the green bean casserole? <laughs> but thank you for the question, Liz. Hopefully you don't have too many awkward family conversations uh, this holiday season centered around your uh, desire to run more races and more marathons in the future. Uh, next question comes from Vermont. Chris asks, if you want to transition from run, walk, run intervals, is there a quote unquote right way to do it? Um, and, and I'm assuming, you know, or, or I, th- I think I know, but, you know, assuming that we're talking about transitioning from a run, walk interval type of status to straight through running you know, for miles and miles and miles. Um, I don't know that there's a right way to do it. I feel like the most logical way is, is probably the most simple way, you know, which again, you know, kind of don't, don't make a, a, a situation more complex than it has to be. Right. Um, so, so to me, the thing that makes the most sense in my mind, which may not make sense in your mind, Chris, or anyone else. Um, so obviously, you know, what, do what makes the most sense to you. But to me, the, the, the easiest way, I don't want to say the right way, because I think there's probably some other ways that would work, but the easiest way is to just kind of start extending out the run intervals. So maybe you're starting off with, with like a, a 60 seconds and 30 seconds, or maybe you're doing 60, 60, you know, so then you send it, extend it out. So now you're doing two minutes to one minute, or maybe you start, you know, 90 seconds to 60 seconds, whatever, but you start extending it out pretty soon. You're doing four minutes to one minute, five minutes to one minute, six minutes to 30 seconds. And maybe, maybe then you start trimming down the recovery interval, the walk interval, but you just, you just play with the, the, the ratio. You know, you start off maybe at a one-to-one or a, a, you know, whatever, and you eventually you get it to where you're running maybe for a mile without the walk break. And then you just go, well, let me see how many miles I can go. And then you just start to build from there. So it's, it's a gradual process. You know, it's, it's, it's certainly not a, um, you know, just rip the bandaid off type of scenario. I wouldn't advise anybody to go from some type of run, walk, run interval style of training to just like, all right, well, we're throwing that out today and we're just going to run as far as we can from now on. Like just keep building into it. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I know people that do the, the, you know, interval running or whatever you want to call it, Galloway training, run, walk, running, whatever. And they'll do, you know, they'll, they'll run for 18 minutes and then walk for two. And so they're running, basically running two miles, two miles plus take a short walk break, get some water, maybe get a little nutrition, something like that. Um, and they start running again, run for another 18 minutes or, or 19 minutes or whatever, you know? So, so you can extend them out pretty far and still take some walk breaks and still technically be a, a run, walk type of person, quote unquote, run, walk. Um, you know, or you can just kind of, I would just call that. You're just, you're just running at that point. You're stopping to take a drink, like whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's my most logical way to do it. But you could, you know, there's, there's, uh, I suppose if you thought of another way that made more sense to you, maybe just starting to trim away at the, at the walk break, but not really extending out the run break so much, um, which is basically ends up doing the same thing. Cause pretty soon, you know, you're, you're running for a minute and your walk break is five seconds or whatever. And so then you're just running for a minute. Basically you're running for one minute after another. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I don't know if there's right or wrong way. You just got to do what kind of feels feels right to you, what makes the most sense to you. Um, but I think maybe maybe to, to answer your question in a slightly different way, the right way, if you will, is to not rush it. Let the process take some time. You're going to have, hopefully, many steps forward in your fitness, especially when you, when you start to eliminate those, those walk breaks. But you may have a step back here or two. You know, hopefully not an injury type of step back, uh, but maybe it's something where all of a sudden you feel like you you, you used to be able to run for X amount of time, but now you, you can't. So you just back off, add a couple of walk breaks back in and work through that plateau and keep moving forward. So I, I guess maybe that's, that's the proper answer, or at least that's, that's my best answer is the right way is to just not rush it. Let it take its time, build up gradually and, and, you know, rock on, rock on. But again, going back to, um, an earlier question, uh, to, to Leslie's question, 
which wasn't necessarily her specific question, but what I, my little mini rant that I went on was that don't feel like you have to be just quote unquote, just runner or a straight runner, um, to, to be a quote unquote real runner, you know, run, walk, cool, run straight through. Cool. Anything in between. Cool. So, uh, hopefully that, that helps and makes at least a little bit of sense there, Chris. Uh, next question comes from Michael. My goal is to maintain fitness through the winter. Assuming I'm decreasing my weekly mileage compared to training for a race, is it better to run three days a week at longer distances or spreading the distance out to four days a week? And he says, during a, a normal training cycle, I would normally run five days per week. So, um, you know, Michael, this is one of those kind of either or scenarios. And, and in my world, when it's either or, how about both? How about both? So what, what, I, what I mean by that, um, you know, from, from, from the first part of your question, just with the goal of being to maintain your fitness. So totally agree, totally on board with the idea that you're not trying to maintain peak marathon readiness. Like that's, that's impossible. That's, that's a recipe for an injury if ever there was one. So yeah, you're going to want to back down from peak, peak mileage that you reach during a, you know, during a training cycle, right? Uh, so you're backing down and, and let's just, let's just throw some numbers out there. Let's say that, that, you know, during peak marathon training, you're running 45 miles per week, uh, with five days, five days per week to break them up various ways, whatever. Um, during this, this, uh, off season, during the winter, you're trying to maintain your fitness. You're going to try to drop down to somewhere between 25 and 30 miles. So it's, it's a substantial reduction, certainly still enough to maintain a good solid level of fitness. Are you going to be marathon ready when the snow melts? Probably not, but will you be able to build back up to it in, in not too long? Absolutely. So looking at 25 to 30 miles per week, what's the best way to do it? Um, you know, if, if you're going to still get that same number of miles and, and obviously these numbers are just, I'm making them up so they can, they can bend and flex based on Michael, your specific scenario and anybody else who finds themselves in a similar situation right now. Um, but is, does it make much of a difference if you're hitting, you know, um, 25 to 30 miles a week in three days versus four days? No, no, whichever works for you. So my, my advice, what I would do if I was in that situation, uh, is I would just kind of on a week by week basis, kind of look at my calendar and go, all right, well, this week's a little bit crazy and I really only have, you know, like two days during the week that I can run and I can go a little bit longer for the, the long run on the weekend. Um, so maybe I'm going to get, you know, six miles in on, on Monday, six miles in on Thursday, and then I can get a good solid, you know, 12 to 12 to 15 in on Saturday still puts me into that 25 to 30 mile window. Uh, and then I look at my calendar next week and go, well, gosh, next week I've got a lot of things going on, but I've got a little bit of time every day. So I can, I can knock out, you know, six miles, uh, a day for, for, for Monday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday and Friday puts me at 24 miles close enough. Uh, certainly right there on the window. Um, and then I've got plans on the weekend, so I'm not gonna be able to run, you know, but I'm still getting that 25 ish to 30 ish miles per week. Um, so what I'm trying to say is, you know, uh, you don't have to be either, or you don't have to be strictly three days, strictly four days. One is not going to be specifically better than the other. Get your miles in. And if you have to change it up from week to week or every couple of weeks based on family life, work life, anything else in life, um, do so, do so. As long as you're able to still get, you know, that, like I said, that same regular ish level of training, you're going to be good to go when the snow melts to start, you know, really diving into the next training cycle and really moving, moving the ball forward. Um, whatever, whatever your goals happen to be for next year. So hopefully that makes sense, Michael. And, and hopefully you enjoy pulling back a little bit, but maintaining that fitness through the winter months, uh, and, and happy running to you, my friend. Thank you for the question. Next question from Nancy. What is your go-to music to psych yourself up for race day? Easy peasy. The only thing that I listen to on race day is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Dave Matthews and his band. So, uh, we got, we got Dave Matthews period end of that's, that is what we're listening to on race day. Um, but not for the whole race, just for the last like hour or so. when I need that extra little boost. That's when we pull out the Dave, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's Dave, little piece of my heart. Mr. Matthews. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, Nancy, for the question. Um, obviously musical tastes vary as much as, as anything else. So, you know, if it doesn't work for you, Hey, whatever. Ain't, ain't no shame in my game though, that Dave Matthews is where it's at. Um, three questions left. One from Chantel. Uh, I'm, I she says, I want to try and put together my own program for my next half marathon, which is in the spring of 2020. I want to bump up my training, uh, to running four days a week. I'll be doing a long run on the weekend. And then my local running store does a speed slash hill training night once per week. I'm thinking my other two weekly runs should be slow and easy runs. Question mark. Yes. Yes. Just as I'll be using, using your book to help. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Chantel, uh, be ready on race day is available and we'll hopefully, 
you know, I mean, that's exactly what it's designed for. That's exactly why I wrote it for is for somebody who's trying to put their own training plan together and try to piece some things together. What makes sense? What should I do? How should I do it? Um, so yes, definitely dive into the book. And if you have further questions, obviously let me know, but your, your plan sounds perfect. Yes. A couple of easy days, um, just to, to keep things moving, but to not beat up your body too much, because certainly during, during the, the speed and hill training, like that's, that's a stressful workout, right? That's, that's a hard workout. Um, no matter, no matter what, all the dynamics end up being like, that's going to be a hard workout where you're pushing yourself. Hopefully your long runs will also be at a pretty comfortable pace. You know, don't try to push the pace too much for your long run. So it kind of works out then that you have kind of three easy runs per week. Plus that, that hill training, um, hill and speed training workout. Um, it's just that the one, your long run is going to be longer, you know, and then the other two will be, be shorter, but, but yeah, absolutely. You, you can almost, almost never go wrong with adding more easy runs to your, to your training diet. You know, start adding too many, uh, speed workouts and tempo runs and things like that. Too much hard stuff. Yeah. That, that gets you in trouble too much easy stuff. That's like adding too much, you know, too much, too much lettuce, too many greens to your, to your diet. Like, yeah, you really can't, you really can't add too many easy workouts. So those other two Chantel, absolutely keep them nice and easy, nice and smooth sailing. Enjoy yourself out there. And, uh, I hope that you'll keep us posted as spring of 2020 rolls around on how your race training is progressing. And obviously I uh, can't wait to hear how the race goes when it finally gets here. So good luck. And if you have other questions on how to put the training plan together, just let me know. Uh, last two coming from Western New York. My man, Tom says, uh, <laughs> leads a, you know, how do I know this? Well, because this is the first part of his question. I live in wintry Western New York. Hey, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, I will be traveling South in January for a half marathon. I could very likely go from 15 degrees Fahrenheit or, you know, trying to speak Celsius here. That would be about right about negative 10 plus or minus, maybe negative eight, something like that, uh, to 65 Fahrenheit, which would be about, uh, 18 to 20 Celsius, something like that. Doing those all without the calculator. So, you know, just, just estimates. If I'm a little bit off, don't, don't bite my head off, but for, you know, we're international around here. We don't all speak Fahrenheit and, you know, some of us speak Celsius. So trying to, trying to, to, to communicate to everybody, but anyway, uh, going from, from cold to potentially pretty warm, uh, on the same day, as far as, you know, traveling, you know, leaving New York, heading South, it could be quite the shock. Any tips on how to plan for this big temperature slash weather change? Um, Tom, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations that there's, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do. Um, I guess if you're really concerned about running and racing and, and whether that could be a bit warmer than what you're used to, uh, being up in, in New York this time of year, um, then, then I guess the, the right answer would be to take your training inside, run on the treadmill, run on an indoor track where the temperature is going to be probably in this, in the sixties to low seventies for most of your, you know, most of the indoor temperatures, um, so that you're running in, in that type of heat. Not that it's super hot, of course, but it's obviously it's a lot warmer than 15 degrees than what you're going to be used to when you're layered up and running outside. Um, if that sounds as appealing to you as it sounds to me, then, you know, if I was in your shoes, I would just keep training outside, keep getting my miles in, keep bundling up, you know, and, and, and fighting the, uh, the frostbite and things like that. And then when race day comes or, or as race day approaches, maybe when you get into that 10 day out window, start paying attention to the weather in, in Alabama, which is, I know where is where you're going. Cause I you're running, I know you sent me a message. You're running the, the, the Gulf shores, uh, big beach marathon in Gulf shores, Alabama, or the, the half marathon. They have a half there as well. Uh, ran it last year. Great race. And for the record, it was not 65 degrees last year. It was, it was probably closer to like 45 degrees last year. So you may not have as big of a temperature shift as, as pot as, as, as you're talking about here, of course it's possible. So, uh, I would, I would start paying attention to the Gulf shores weather about 10 days or so a week out. Um, and kind of see what the long-term forecast is. Obviously, again, things can change, but you start to get a good idea of what the, what the weather has been like, what's it look like it's going to be next, you know, for, for race day, and then just adjust your goals accordingly. So if it looks like it's going to be pretty hot and you're worried that making that jump from, you know, 15 degrees to 65 degrees or from, you know, negative eight or nine to, to 20 or so, um, is going to be enough to really derail you and, and put those, those PR goals. I don't know if you have PR goals, but say you do put those PR goals in jeopardy then adjust your mindset before you even get on the airplane and just say, Hey, you know what? It's going to be a little bit warmer this time. Pack your, your warmer weather gear, um, and just be able to run it and enjoy yourself and maybe push yourself a little bit, but, but take some of that pressure of, I'm going to try to really hammer this race. Take that out of the equation because the heat, I mean, yeah, you know, a a 50 degree swing, like that's, that's enough to, to, you know, derail you a little bit. If you're looking at the weather, other, you know, on the other hand, and you're like, wow, it's going to be the same weather as it was last year. It's going to be 47 degrees at the race start. The high for the day is 53. 
um, this is good racing weather, then lock in, lock in in your mind, lock in your, your plan and, and get out there and hammer it. And that's certainly a race that you can hammer. That's certainly a race you can race fast. So, um, you know, if the weather cooperates, crush it. If that's what you want to do, if that's what you're trained for. Um, but if, if it's going to be a little bit warmer, I, there's not a whole lot you can do from a training perspective. Again, unless you want to go inside, unless you want to, you know, do that, that crazy treadmill thing, maybe put a couple layers on and, and really heat yourself out. Um, which just sounds, sounds more miserable to me than running in the 15 degree weather. So, you know, you can, you can decide which way of that, which, which, you know, side that scale leans to for you. Um, but that is, that is what I would do. There's no, there's no good way to just say, Hey, you're going to train in the 15s. You're going to run the sixties. It's going to, it's going to impact you. It is, it is. Um, you know, so, so, you know, be, just be prepared for that. Be prepared for that possibility. Um, and, and pay attention with what the weather's going to be like the week before. So there's no surprises when you get to Alabama, but, uh, it'll be a fun race. It'll be a good race either way. Hopefully the weather cooperates and you can really get after it. Uh, last question also from Tom, although apparently he's asking for a friend. If I run one half mile at 5k pace to my local pub, have a beer and then run home at 10k pace, may I count this as a one mile run? asking for a friend. I got no problem with it. I got no problem with it, Tom. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I would, uh, I don't know that the, if, if you're doing that to try to keep a run streak going, I don't know what the streakers would think about that. I'm saying you can call it a, uh, call it a mile. I'm saying you can call it a mile works for me. Um, I don't know. That you can call it a beer mile either. In fact, I know you can't call it a beer mile, but you can call it a mile. How's that for you? Uh, but cheers to you, my friend or, or cheers to, to your friend for me. Uh, for the old, the old run to the pub, have a beer, run home type of scenario. Uh, I'm okay with it. If you're okay with it. Uh, and that is, that is that. So thank you everybody for the questions this month. Uh, like I said, a little shorter list than the last couple months. And, I, and I'm not saying that as a challenge, I'm not begging you to, to throw down 35 questions for next month. Although if it happens, Hey, we'll make it work. We will make it work. But, uh, you know, look at this, look at this under, under an hour. Under an hour. When is the last time that a Q&A episode has been... Shoot, when is the last time that a quick tip episode has been under an hour? Kidding-ish. But uh, anyway, uh, this is this is it for today. Thank you guys once again for all the questions. Um, Dizruns.com slash Facebook is the best place to get uh, get your questions asked is, is, is where I where I go for the questions. So, you know, I'll, I'll reach out. You can ask your questions and then we will answer them again. You know, same time, same place next month. End of the month, last Friday. We will have another Q&A episode. And until then, thank you guys for everything. Thanks for all the support. Um, until next time, be well. Take care. Thanks for listening. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, at least those of y'all here in the States. Um, and uh, one month left in 2019. 2020 is coming. Are you ready? Get ready. It is coming. But uh, we'll talk soon, right? Take care, guys.